how many of you have ever seen the movie uh, The Passion of the Christ? Quite a few have seen it, okay. Uh, it's a powerful, powerful movie that depicts the last day of Jesus' life. Uh, it is so powerful. I remember when I was living in Minnesota, uh, we lived in Forest Lake, Minnesota for five years, and uh, while we were there, the movie came out, and I received an invitation in the mail to go and see a sneak preview for pastors and their wives at Willow Creek Community Church uh, over in Barrington, just outside of Chicago. And so I got this invitation. I thought, yep, I'm going to go see it. I want, I want to see this movie. I'm very excited about it. I heard a rumor that uh, Mel Gibson was actually going to be at the church. And he, sure enough, he was. He did a Q&A afterwards with the pastor of the church. Um, and uh, I didn't get to meet Mel uh, or anything like that. You know, but, but he saw me. We made eye contact. <laughs> it's Mad Max. Anyway, um, so, uh, so I went to see the movie, grabbed my wife, and we drove down from Minnesota to Barrington, and I remember sitting in the, that huge auditorium there at that church and watching the movie unfold, um, and, and, and at some point during the movie, it hit me. Jesus did all of this for me. I remember watching and, and just being overwhelmed with emotion as I realized that Jesus went through all of this for me. When they mocked him and spit upon him, he did it for me. When he had the crown of thorns pressed into his scalp, he did it for me. When they beat him and flogged him, and I remember reading that Mel Gibson really wanted to, to, to be historically accurate with how... Uh, crucifixion uh, criminals, criminals who were crucified, how they were treated by the Romans. And, and I just remember thinking, man, he did all of this for me. The, the, the nails in his hands and the nail in his feet, he did it for me. And as I sat there pondering my own sinfulness and pondering my own culpability in the death of Jesus Christ, I remember just being overwhelmed with emotion and I started to cry and I buried my head in my wife's shoulder and I just sobbed and I'm not talking I, I didn't get just a little misty eyed I mean I was sobbing my body was racked with with grief and emotion over my sinfulness and that Jesus did this for me I could barely finish the movie I remember a few weeks later when the movie actually came out and a group of our church went to see it and they're all buying popcorn before the movie. I'm like, no, you don't understand. This is not a popcorn movie. This is not Independence Day or Con Air or anything like that. This is, this is a life-changing movie because when you realize that what Jesus went through and that it was for you and it was for me, it was for us, it makes you ponder your own complicit uh, part in this crucifixion and in the death of Jesus. And I think we all need to get there. I think we all need to get to that point. You need to get to that point where you say, you know what? 
It was for me that Jesus died. It was because of my sins that Jesus died. It was because of my sins that Jesus went to the cross. It was my sins that, that caused him to suffer. My sins that caused his pain. We, we all need to get there. We all need to get that point where we mourn and grieve over our own sinfulness. The things that we say and the things that we do and the things that we think that are not pleasing to God, that are disobedient and sinful. And when we do the things uh, that we shouldn't do, and when we don't do the things that we should do, it is our sinfulness that sent Jesus to the cross. It was our sinfulness that caused his pain, that caused his death. It was us. It was, it's our fault. And I think that we need to get to that point where we are overwhelmed with that emotion. Not to get stuck there. Because it's real easy to get stuck in self-loathing. And to think, I'm the worst thing that ever lived. It's easy to get caught in a cycle of self-loathing and self-hatred. Because of our sinfulness. Because of our wickedness and our evil. That we forget about God's amazing grace. Because He still forgives and we're going to talk about that today about the next 20 minutes or so and i want to talk about this idea of of mourning and grieving over our sinfulness we started a new series last week you've never been here before if this is your first time if you haven't been here for a while we started a new series last week called hashtag blessed and i talked about how hashtagging is something that uh, you'll see on social media sites uh, where you can click on a, on a hyperlink uh, of a hashtag and see other people who post about those same things using that same hashtag. Uh, for example, I said that uh, when I went to Instagram, the social media site Instagram, and I searched for the hashtag blessed, there were 111 million posts with the words hashtag blessed on them, with the hashtag of blessed on them. 111 million posts. Mostly food. But anyway... Um, but 111 million people said, I am blessed in some way. And they, they hashtag blessed. But we're looking at this idea of maybe being blessed and being hashtag blessed isn't, isn't what we think it is. And in Jesus' terms, in Jesus' words, being hashtag blessed probably doesn't have anything to do with a turkey pot pie. So this morning, uh, we are in Matthew chapter 5. Last week, we looked at the first of nine Beatitudes. Uh, the Beatitudes are blessings that Jesus pronounced in the Sermon on the Mount uh, in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. In Matthew 5, this is how he begins his sermon, is with these nine blessings. And so last week, we looked at the first one, that we are hashtag blessed when we realize that we are spiritually broken and bankrupt uh, and we are spiritually powerless and spiritually helpless. That's what we talked about last week and how we are hashtag blessed uh, when we realize our own level of spiritual uh, bankruptcy. Uh, we talked about how the, those who are, are poor in spirit are blessed because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They are on the right track to heaven that the first step in realizing, the first step in getting to heaven is to realize that you're a sinner and there's nothing you can do about your own sinfulness. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. Nothing. 
we are all spiritually destitute, powerless, broken, and bankrupt. Now today we're going to look at the next step and this next blessing that Jesus pronounces in Matthew chapter 5, verse 4. Now we're going to put all the uh, scripture passages up on the screen uh, or you can follow along in your GFCC app. If you haven't gotten the app yet, go to your app store, whether it's the iTunes store, which is no longer apparently in, I'm not an iTunes guy, I'm not an Apple tribe, I'm an Android tribe. But uh, so Google Play Store, because we rock. Uh, so either go to Google Play Store or the iTunes Store, search for GFCC, and you can download the app and follow along in the sermon notes section on our app. Plus, you can also get push notifications as to things going on around here, as well as give your tithes and offerings and keep up to date with the calendar. Uh, the GFCC app is a great tool to use uh, to keep in touch with all things GFCC. But we are in Matthew chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 4 in two different pieces and some, for, some supporting scriptures that go along with it. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 4, the very first part says, very simply blessed are those who mourn blessed are those who mourn hmm what kind of mourning are we talking about well in light of the first beatitude blessed are those uh, blessed are the poor in spirit uh, we see blessed are those who mourn is because of those it's, it's a mourning over your spiritual brokenness we'll talk about why that is in just a second if you remember last week, I taught you a Greek word. Uh, the word for blessed is the word makarios, and it means happy or blessed. Uh, and so Jesus says, happy are those who mourn. Now that sounds very strange, doesn't it? It's like we never consider ourselves happy or blessed when we are mourning. We usually feel, feel pretty downtrodden. We feel very sad and upset when we are mourning. So why does Jesus say, blessed are those who mourn? Well, I want to teach you another Greek word this week. Uh, it is the Greek word pantheo. And pantheo literally means to mourn or to lament. And to mourn or lament something. Now this word pantheo is also used in a couple of other places in scripture. One of which is in the book of James. James was the brother of Jesus. Uh, his physical flesh and blood brother. Uh, he was the, the son of uh, Joseph and Mary. And so James was Jesus' brother. He never believed in Jesus until after the resurrection. And that's when he put his faith and trust in his brother as the Messiah, the Savior, the Son of God. So James wrote a book toward the end of the New Testament to the church at Jerusalem, the early church at Jerusalem. And this is what he said in, in James chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. He says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. And so this idea of mourning goes along with our spiritual condition, our spiritual powerlessness, our spiritual bankruptcy, our spiritual poverty, that this idea of mourning our sinful condition um, is a, a reason for happiness or being blessed. It's when we get to that point that we realize just what our sins cost Jesus. When we realize that we are sinners and we continue to sin, uh, that we uh, can mourn and grieve over our sinful condition. Um, in 2 Corinthians 7.10, Paul wrote to the uh, church at Corinth, Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings 
death. And so what Paul is saying is that it's not about being sorry for your sins because you got caught. It's being sorry for your sins because they're disobedient to God. It's being sorry for your sins uh, because it cost Jesus his life. It is a godly sorrow that you realize I am a sinner and it makes me more than sad. It makes me mourn. I lament my own sinfulness. I lament my sins. This idea of being uh, mourning, uh, uh, this idea of mourning over sin isn't just our own personal sins. It can also mean to mourn or lament the sin, wickedness, and evil in the world. That's what the psalmist said in Psalm 119, 136. He says, streams of tears flow from my eyes for your law is not obeyed. That we can not only grieve and mourn and wail over our own sinfulness, but over the wickedness and the evil and the sin that is so prevalent in our world. If you watch the news, you'll see so much sin and wickedness and evil in the world, and it causes us grief and pain and mourning and sadness. So we mourn not only for our own sins, but we mourn for the wickedness and evil in the world. But there's good news that even though we mourn for our own sinfulness and even though we mourn over the wickedness and sin in the world, there is a promise that comes from God. There's a promise that goes along with this blessing. Jesus says, blessed are those who mourn, and this is the second part, for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I want to teach you another Greek word real quick. And that is the word parakaleo. And parakaleo means to call to one's side, uh, to address or to speak to uh, in, for the purpose of comforting. Uh, it can also mean to console, to encourage, or strengthen. So this word parakaleo is a word that means to comfort. Uh, to comfort someone or to be comforted by someone. It, it can mean to uh, be comforted by God. And it can mean to comfort someone else as well and so blessed are you when you mourn over your sinfulness when you mourn over your sinful condition because you will be comforted in revelation chapter 21 verses 1 through 4 i think we read the most comforting words in all of scripture and this is what it says revelation 21 1 through 4 then i saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And get this, verse 4. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or what? Or mourning or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And that idea of mourning, that's that same word that Jesus used in the Beatitudes, the same word in our blessing, that word pantheo, that means to mourn over your sinful condition. And God says that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes, that he, uh, in Isaiah 25, verse 8, this is what it says, it says, the sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces 
There is a promise that goes along with mourning over our sinful condition, mourning over our spiritual poverty, mourning over our spiritual bankruptcy, mourning over our sinfulness, that this promise is not just that God will leave us, he's not going to leave us in our sins, he's not going to leave us without hope. No, there is hope that will comfort us, and this hope comes through Jesus Christ, that he gave his life, he laid down his life for us, he suffered and died for our sins, so that we could be free from the consequences of sin. We could be free from the guilt and the shame of sin. That we could be free to go to heaven someday. And when we go to heaven, it says in Revelation 21, that he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. Because there will be no more death. And no more mourning. No more crying. And no more pain. Physical pain. Emotional pain, mental pain, spiritual pain. Because when you realize the depths of your own spiritual brokenness, when you realize the depths of your own sinfulness, it hurts. And that's why we mourn. But we will be comforted. And, and not just for our own sakes. And we're not comforted just for ourselves. No, we are comforted for a purpose. For 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4 says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. That we are comforted to be comforters. That we are comforted by God to comfort other people. We'll talk about that in just a second. I want to talk about some steps you can take to move from mourning to joy, from mourning to comfort. And the first step that you need to take is you need to mourn your spiritual condition. Uh, if, 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 you, if this is your first time here, or maybe your first time in church, period, or, or maybe the first time you've been in church in a long time, you know, uh, it is good, it is a good thing to mourn our spiritual condition, to mourn our sinfulness. And even if you've been around here for a while, if, if you're uh, still stuck in patterns of sin or uh, addictions or habits of sinfulness, it is a good thing to mourn over that, to realize what your sin has cost Jesus. We need to mourn our spiritual condition. We need to mourn our sinful condition because it cost Jesus his life. The, the pain that he suffered. The crown of thorns, the mockery, the beating, the flogging, the nails in his hands, the nail in his feet, the spear in his side, the death that he suffered, he suffered for me. And he suffered for you. He suffered for us. It's our fault. And the amazing thing about Jesus, his love goes so deep and his love is so great that if you were the only sinner on earth, he still would have died for you. I mean, if the rest of us were perfect, and by the way, we're not. But if the rest of us were perfect and you were the only sinner, Jesus would have still died for you because Jesus would rather suffer and die than to live forever without you. 
He would rather suffer a torturous, painful, excruciating death on a cross than to live forever without you. That's how much he loves you. And he wants to spend forever with every single one of you. And you may be thinking, I don't want to spend forever with some of these people, but I want to spend forever with Jesus. And he made that possible. And it begins when we mourn over our spiritual condition, when we mourn over our sinfulness, when we mourn over our sins, we're on the right track to heaven. Second step, trust Jesus to comfort you. That Jesus can comfort you today. He can comfort you now. Because he doesn't want you to get stuck in a cycle of mourning or a cycle of self-loathing. That I'm just a horrible person, just a terrible person, there's nothing I can do and I have no hope. No, Jesus doesn't want to leave you in hopelessness. He wants to fill you with hope and comfort. And he does that when you put your faith and trust in Christ. When you believe in him and, and turn away from sin and repentance. We talked a little bit about how godly sorrow leads to repentance. And when we repent from sin, and when we publicly acknowledge Jesus as Savior and Lord by, by confessing Him, and, and by uh, being baptized, when we get baptized, God washes away our sins. And He cleanses us and purifies us. He unites us with Christ in His death and in His resurrection. Because Jesus didn't stay dead. God raised Him from the dead on the third day. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, one day He will raise us from the dead too. This is the comfort that comes, knowing that our sins are forgiven. And when God forgives your sins, he chooses to forget them. That when the devil comes calling, and he will come calling, and when he tries to remind you of your past, when he whispers in your ear, I, I believe that the, the devil can't put thoughts in your mind, but he can whisper in your ear. Hey, you remember when you did that? Do you remember that terrible decision you made? Do you remember that sin you committed? Do you remember those sins you still commit? Do you remember all that? And you start to feel terrible about yourself, and it's like, oh man, I'm such a, I'm so awful, I'm so horrible, I'm so terrible. And then you cry out to God and say, God, I'm sorry for my sins, and God says, I forgive you. And you cry out to God time and time again and say, God, do you remember when I did this? Do you remember when I did that? How could you love me? How could you forgive me? How could you save me? And that's when God looks at you and says, I have no idea what you're talking about. Because when I chose to forgive your sins, I chose to forget them as well. That God, when he forgives your sins, every single one of them, but Sean, you don't understand, I did this when I was in college, man, I, was, I made a mistake. I made an awful mistake. If you are in Christ, you're a new creation, that mistake has been washed away in the blood of Jesus. But when I was a parent, I, I, I messed up with my kids, and now my kids will talk to me, and, and I feel terrible because I feel like I was an awful parent when I was, when I was younger. God can fix that. He can repair that. He forgives you for your mistakes. He forgives you for your sins. And he forgives you and he forgets it and then he can fix it. Put your faith and trust in God. I was, I was reading this week in a book. I, I was reading a book called Love Does by Bob Goff. And I was reminded of this incredible fact that nothing is impossible 
for God. And there are areas of my life and there are things in my life where I feel like, well, God can never fix that. That's too hard for God. And I'm a pastor, okay? And I have these thoughts. And maybe you have them too. And I'm here to tell you, I was reminded of the fact this week that nothing is impossible for God. And even in the morning, in the depths of mourning of your sinful spiritual condition, and even in the depths of mourning, God can comfort you. And even in the midst of, of self-loathing and hatred of yourself because of the things that you've done, God can forgive all of those sins. And God has promised to comfort you with his love, grace, and forgiveness. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Last step, comfort someone else. When God comforts you, take the comfort that he has comforted you with and comfort someone else with it. Share that comfort with somebody. Share that good news that God has washed away your sins and share that with somebody else so they'll want to know how their sins can be washed away too. Share that comfort that you've received with somebody else. Don't keep it all to yourself. Give it away. Share the good news with someone. And, and what I want you to do, this, this last thing I want you to do today, is I want you to think of someone you know. I want you to think about somebody, just, just think about someone you know who needs comforted. They're mourning over their sinful condition. And I think a lot of people walk around with a lot of shame and guilt. It's like, man, I, I, I know I keep messing up. I feel terrible about it. But I don't know what to do about it. Here's the thing, folks. You know what to do about it. Tell them about Jesus. And I want you to think about that person now. I want you to, if you've got to close your eyes and, and think about their name, or if you've got to close, close your eyes and see their face, I want you to think about that person. I'm going to pray for that person right now.